If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. Students learn an awful lot more when things don't work right. It's an opportunity, it's a doorway that they weren't expecting. The teams will play a little bit differently. They will play with two robots, completely autonomous. End of April, beginning of May, we welcoming the top 3,000 teams from around the world. Building futures through building robots is what Nonprofit Robotics Education and Competition Foundation is all about. REC Foundation offers a family of VEX robotics programs for students starting at elementary level and going right on through college. More than a million students from 70 different countries participate in the VEX robotics program. Teams design and build robots to enter competitions, and on competition day, their creations are challenged to complete a series of tasks, with the best-performing robots going on to the next level of competition. All of this culminates in the world's largest robotics competition every year. But competing students wind up winning in a lot of ways after the robotics competitions are over. REC Foundation has published a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Inspiring Students One Robot at a Time. Nancy McIntyre is REC Foundation Community Innovations Manager, and she is going to be speaking at California STEAM Symposium happening in Long Beach on February 9th and 10th. Nancy, how did you as an educator first get inspired to use robots to inspire your students to gain new skills and work towards their future careers? I had an opportunity for a grant that came my way. And at the time I was teaching at an all girls school. So that was kind of fun. And so I was able to get the group up and started with them. And once I got started with them, They were hooked. I was hooked. And it just kept going forward. You know, the more we got into it, the more we learned, the more we found practical applications to so many different types of things that the girls were able to use those skills in almost any field they could potentially think of. What were some of the applications that surprised you as you were working with them? So I had one girl who in particular was very artistic focused, drawing, painting type things were her specialty. And we got her involved in doing some digital art for us and helping create a logo and whatever. And she ended up, I know when she graduated, she took her portfolio of things that she did for us in the robotics team to her college interview, and she ended up with a scholarship just for showing it off. It wasn't her intent. She just wanted to show somebody good things that she had done. And so it was an immediate reward for something she wasn't expecting, but that had an application that she was able to be able to use her skills. I had wondered about a career trajectory for more arts-oriented students. I read your wonderful book because it seemed like a lot of the young girls wanted to be oceanographers or wanted to be engineers, but I'd wondered about artists, and that's kind of exciting. 
What about what you're going to be doing at California STEAM Symposium? We are a matter of days away as we record here. You're going to be doing two presentations, one of which I believe is inspiring students for today's workforce. Would you tell me about that, please? Sure. I'm very excited to be speaking at the California STEAM Symposium. And I've got the good fortune to partner with two different wonderful organizations. For the one that you just mentioned, Inspiring Today's Workforce, one robotic student at a time, I am partnering with Chevron, who's one of our sponsors. And we are going to talk about how the students who come from our robotics program, how they can utilize those skills in Chevron's workforce. So we uh, work for the Robotics Education Competition Foundation, and we manage all of the VEX robotics teams along with two aerial drone programs. And the students who come out this way have done coding, they've learned the design process, they know how to work in teams, they know how to be able to communicate, they know how to solve problems. And these are all skills that Chevron in particular has been looking for. So Chevron offers some scholarships and students who've come through our programs are very good candidates for some of those scholarships. They're also very good candidates for their internship programs. And those internship programs provide a foot in the door, if you will, or a robot wheel in the door to allow the students to experience different jobs, career paths that are available from, you know, different organizations. So we're excited about being able to talk about the fact that our mission statements align and our vision statements align. And a lot of our corporate belief patterns line up very nicely, that it makes it much more seamless for the students to move from tinkering and playing with robots to utilizing their skills in a chosen career path. And of course, thinking of the arts background again, I hope some of these students will have been designing logos like you were just referencing and perhaps will be working for Chevron in the art or other humanities areas. Oh, absolutely. You almost can't do anything anymore. That does not fall across steam. There are so many applications and the use of so many different pieces of technology. The fact that the students have the ability to be able to adapt and change and learn new ways of doing things, they will be able to utilize those particular skills in any field that they choose to go in. And there's so much technology being utilized across the arts that having the students more comfortable with many of the different applications is a huge success. And of course, you have a second presentation as well, a workshop. Yeah, the second one I get to do with two young women, Ashley and Danny from Project Lead the Way. They call themselves PLTW, and they are an academic-focused program. So they utilize robotics in the classroom with curriculum. And then what's a great dovetail for us is that the same students can utilize the same robots for what the students see as a practical application on the weekend when they compete. So what they're learning in the classroom Monday through Friday through their Project Lead the Way schoolwork turns over to what the students see is 
for them long-term, because we're at Saturday when it's a Monday, that they can utilize the skills that they've learned in the classroom and apply those to being successful on the competition field on the weekend. I confess, reading your book, I bookmarked some favorite stories. I'd love to talk about a couple of these. The one specifically about the young woman who was helping the robot teams in Micronesia and found an unexpected career. Would you, you can tell that story in a much more interesting way than I can. Yes, Amelia. Amelia came to me as a ninth grade student who said, look, I want to be on your robot team. I have no interest in robotics. I am going to be a marine biologist and I'm going to save the world, but I need a good extracurricular. You have a wonderful reputation for getting students into college. I will work very hard, but no interest in robots. I'll do whatever you need. I'll do paperwork for you. I can help with all the other ancillary things that go along with running the club. She said she's fun. And she said, she's like, I like hanging out with you. So I gladly said, well, I like hanging out with you too. And our school had an opportunity to do a service project for Micronesia, for Micronesian school. And she headed up the service. She wanted to head up the service project. And it was to help them build a library. And so we put our resources out to everybody we knew in our community to get books out to them. We had access to somebody who was able to help the shipping and get them there. But we helped them build a library, which was for us very, very exciting to be able to share that with them. And then we were able to share our robots. So as we were a very competitive team, we replaced our robots with new parts and stuff, but we kept all the older stuff and we shipped all that stuff off to them and We had very limited ability from their side to do a Zoom interaction, very much like what we're doing. So we were sending information back and forth by email as best we could. We hooked up once in a while when things were going to work. And Amelia had the opportunity to go over to Micronesia and to teach workshops to students. Incredibly successful very different sets of needs for these students. But we continued to work with the teachers and the administrator from the school who kept in contact with me. He was overjoyed when he was telling me that after a season or two, students there in Micronesia were now talking about applying to colleges in the United States to take engineering classes so that they could come back to their home country and help build the infrastructure. So we were blown away by the success for that particular program. Amelia got her undergraduate degree in marine biology while she double majored in mechanical engineering. She built her own submersibles, has worked with science researchers, marine bioscience researchers all over the world, builds her own submersibles, sends them over, has the studies they're going to do, can retrieve them. She's a certified diver, can repair them, can analyze all of the data and make the necessary changes to components and utilizes that for the good of the planet. And that's harking right back to what you were saying 
before about how robotics can be applied just at everything. Amelia, who doesn't want robotics, doesn't like robots, et cetera. And now she makes submersibles. Yeah. And so now she's at Cornell going after her PhD. So I still expect I hear from her and or her mom every now and again. And it's uh, the first conversation. Where in the world are you? So she's always doing absolutely wonderful things all over the place. So, so thank you for asking about that particular story. You sent me the most amazing video because REC Foundation sponsors the world's largest robotics competition. I feel like when I look at the global international competition, I'm looking at the Olympics with the difference that sportsmanship is involved. Would you take me forward to the one that's going to happen in April and tell me what we're going to see and what the students are going to be doing? Sure. For almost two weeks in end of April, beginning of May, we will be welcoming the top 3,000 teams from around the world. We've got more than 30,000 teams currently with more than 70 different countries and nations participating. We will open very much like an Olympics with all the flags coming in through a big long parade that comes up onto the stage. Everybody is welcomed. And then teams will go back to their pit areas, get their robots inspected. And then we start competition. And so we will play elementary school in the VEX IQ robot competition, middle school in the VEX IQ robotics competition. Middle school will also play in the VRC middle school competition. There's a VRC high school competition, which is how we got started. There's a VEXU division that will play and the JROTC division that will play as well. And then the top teams move forward from their divisions. We'll move forward to play in the Dome in the Dallas Convention Center. And we will crown champions. And our champions will also have the ability to earn a, or purchase if they choose to, a world championship ring, just like you see in sports. So this is a big deal to the students who have been competing at these levels. And we've got students who've been competing since they've been elementary school and have managed to get themselves all the way up through the college ranks. And so they've got new games every year that they will play over under for the students that are playing in VRC, which are our medal divisions. And then the VEX IQ Robotics Competition Division will play a game called Full Volume. Wow. Why didn't they have this when I was a kid in school? The main thing that I keep seeing is a theme in your book, resiliency, how robotics teaches students resiliency. What's been one of the best examples of that that you've seen, let's say in the past six months? Ooh, things don't always work exactly as you expect them to. And they don't work sometimes at the most inopportune times, which means sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board. Sometimes you have to go back to the pit area and fix it. Sometimes you have to recode something. Sometimes you have to go back in and debug, you know, and find where there's a mistake. And you just have to keep reiterating and keep moving forward. And so students learn an awful lot more when things don't work right. It's an opportunity. It's a doorway that they weren't expecting that's now opened. And now it looks like it's blocking in front of them. But once they solve that, often they find there's so much more they can actually do, especially if they have to adapt and change. And we've done lots of adapting and changing, just like everybody else did during the pandemic. And I think a lot of us came out better for it. Not that we want to go back, but 
A lot of us came up with some new opportunities. Students learned that they could still keep working on their robots. Teachers were incredibly generous of sharing equipment, resources that allowed them to continue to learn. So those were all good things. When you reference growing and changing with all this AI this and AI that, how has REC Foundation had to change their program and evolve it to make the students the workers of tomorrow, actually? So we have a new program called VEX AI. (laughs) And so utilizing the game over under from the VRC program, same class of robots, but are now starting to utilize AI technology. So the teams will play a little bit differently. They will play with two robots, completely autonomous. The two robots also have to be able to interact with each other, again, completely autonomous, and play against two other robots from the other side. So while they're playing offense, the other side is playing defense. But all of this is taking place utilizing sensors and cameras and all kinds of things and allowing them to analyze data. And it's all done completely autonomously. So that's a cutting edge technology that we are hoping will continue to grow, providing students with more opportunities for hands-on in this new and exciting part of the field. That sounds like both a challenge and a blast. What if someone, it does. It's fun. Suppose someone listening wants to start a team, and I didn't realize that one person could be a team until I read that one story about the robot called Grant, which I'm not going to spoil. People are going to have to read it. Suppose somebody wants to start a team, and what are they going to need to do? What can they expect? Most of our teams, and they don't have to be school-driven. We've got lots of organizational teams, Girl Scout teams, Boy Scout teams, church teams, neighborhood teams. During the pandemic, we called them garage teams because that's where we found the fields (laughs) and living room teams because that's where they were put. That's where they were able to put them. They contact us at the Robotics Education Competition Foundation. Our website is recf.org. And we will connect you to the person who is in your region that looks after teams. We will see if there's any grant funding that you qualify for which can help cover the costs for getting teams registered and getting some initial equipment started. And then we've got some training resources for geared particularly towards teachers and coaches who want to step in and work with students on everything you need to know from how to order robot parts to how to sign up for an event, what to expect at an event. What do you do when you actually win and you find yourself now being awarded a trophy that moves you on to the next level. And now you've got to figure out how you get to the world championship. So we've got all those questions answered. We've been doing it for a long time and we're always happy to help. You also have a marvelous story in Chicken Soup for the Soul about that very thing happening to a couple of young boys. And I believe it's Arizona and they win. How in the world are they going to come up with the funding? I think that that's something that people might want to read. How did they get a hold of your book? For the most part, just contact me. And I will do my best to get them out to folks as quickly as I can. Again, REC Foundation's website is recf.org. How can people best support you? Oh, we're always looking for volunteers. We're a nonprofit, so we're glad for all types of resources. Financing and helping support teams 
is a great way to do that if you particularly want to stick with doing something that is very local, funding a local team or helping fund. Most of our events take place at schools. And so helping local teachers be able to fund and support their events is a great way to be able to do that. And folks can just reach out to me at the REC Foundation. So Nancy underscore McIntyre at recf.org is a great way to get a hold of me for more questions. But we're recruiting for volunteers now to help judge our world champions invites. So as teams qualify to the world championship, we are going to interview every single one of those 3,000 teams that are coming to Dallas. And we need to get it done between now, as they're starting to qualify, into you know the second or third week of April. So we've got volunteers. We'll use the Zoom platform. So the good news is folks can sign up for three-hour blocks as time permits, and they'll work in groups so they're not by themselves. And they'll really get a great opportunity to interact with some amazing students from all over the globe. Sounds like a very rewarding experience. Final question for my podcast is a signature question. If people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from the work you're doing? That's a great question. Never underestimate what students can do. They are going to be the change makers in the future that we so desperately need. Don't ever count them out. Nancy, thank you for your time today. Thank you very much for having me, and I hope our paths cross again. You and I have been listening to Nancy McIntyre, Community Innovations Manager at Robotics Education and Competition Foundation. Nancy will be one of the presenters at the California STEAM Symposium happening Friday and Saturday, February 9th and 10th at the Long Beach Convention Center in Long Beach, California. On Friday morning, she'll be presenting a session entitled Inspiring Today's Workforce, One Robot Student at a Time, in partnership with Chevron. And later that morning, she'll also be co-hosting a session entitled You Belong in Robotics, in tandem with Project Lead the Way. For more information, go to steamcalifornia.org. Meanwhile, you can also find out more about REC Foundation's VEX Robotics programs, request a copy of their book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Inspiring Students One Robot at a Time, or volunteer to help with their upcoming competitions by contacting Nancy through recf.org. That's recf.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. Be sure you subscribe. It's free by clicking the link on our website. Our music is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.